This is Michael Melfi, and welcome to the Be Investable podcast. Since late 2015, I have had the opportunity to host a pair of amazing programs called The Truck Talk and Be Investable, both on the Michigan Business Network. I invite you to please enjoy some of my legacy content I was able to create while being a host on that network. What you are listening to are some of the engaging conversations I've had with entrepreneurs and with innovative individuals from across the United States and in fact the world. They took the time to share their insights about what it means to be investable. Well, welcome back to the show. My name is Michael Melfi and today I am honored to have one of my favorite people on the show, Ms. Sharon Lecter. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Well, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. Awesome. And, and, and Sharon, as we were talking about before we got on the show, to have someone such as yourself, an international financial literacy expert who has been part of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book and 14 other books like that, to your newest book that just came out, Think and Grow Rich for Women, and one of my personal favorites, all my readers know this because I talk about it, The Outwitting the Devil, the book you wrote with the legendary Napoleon Hill, author of Think and Grow Rich. It's such an honor to have you on the show, and I want to thank you for joining us today, and I'm excited and very enthusiastic to be, be talking with you a little more about all the great things that you have and are doing. Well, wonderful. I'm delighted to be with you. Great. And, and really just to, to hop right in, I, I think the... The one I want to talk about first is going to be the, the, the one about Outwitting the Devil, which, which is a great book about the secrets to freedom and success. And I, I, want to, I want to ask you, is that was an interesting book. It was written in 1938, and, and it didn't come out until quite a bit later. And that's very interesting. I think most people don't know that. What, what was the story behind why that didn't come out? Well, most of your listeners, I believe, may have heard of the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which came out in 1937, and it's really the number, the largest and most popular book on personal development. Over 100 million of them have sold in its history, and its author, Napoleon Hill, basically devoted his entire life, 25 years of research to generate that book, and it was The Powers of Success, The Laws of Success, that was really, it was like a thesis paper, because he interviewed all the successful people at this time. And when he released it in 1937, he himself was frustrated. He says, you know, even though people know what they're supposed to do to be successful, they don't do it. And I know that hit home for me, and probably a few of the listeners can, uh, you know, feel the feel the pang of, of uh, that feeling as well. We know what we're supposed to do, but we just don't do it. And so he sat down from that frustration and wrote this book out, Winning the Double. And it really was, he wrote it very, very quickly because it was almost like a download and talks about how we allow ourselves to become our worst enemies. We hold ourselves back. And he talks about the power of fear. And he does it through a parable, an interrogation of the devil, where the devil has to say how he holds us back. And it's a parable. And he says, you can believe I'm talking to the real devil or I'm, you know, the devil inside us, whatever you want to believe. The question is, will you derive benefit from what I share? Problem was, his wife was not real fond of the title and forbid it from being published. And so at this, you know, it, he died 1970. She died later. Her sister had it until just a few years ago. And when she passed, it was given to the foundation. And they reached out to me and said, we're quite not quite sure what to do with it. So I right. had the incredible honor of taking, running over to the beach with it and literally flipping through personally hand-typed letter pages with handwritten notes from Napoleon Hill. 
probably wow. only the fourth or fifth person ever to even read the manuscript. And I just was blown away with it. And I said, this has to get out. And so I had the huge honor of preserving it and what I call annotating it. So, And it was really annotated for new Napoleon Hill readers because many new, the younger generation don't know who he was. And so diehard Napoleon Hill fans can read it by skipping over my sections because they're in a different type font. But we wanted to show the contrast between where we were in 1938 as compared to today. And so those are the kind of comments that I make throughout the book. And, and, and it, it is, your, your connotations are great, and it's such a great parable of a book. And as I shared with you, it's something that's a, a must-read for anyone that, that asks me, what, what are you reading or what should I read? And you know, speaking of great reads, you, you have a great book that, that's just recently come out. It's the, the Think and Grow Rich, similar to that Napoleon Hill, for women. And, and it's interesting, that when you look at some of the statistics that are out there, that 60% of all personal wealth in the U.S. is held by women and 85% of consumer purchases in the U.S. are made by women. And there's going to be a, a very large transition of wealth. It's 70% of the 41 excuse me, trillion in intergenerational wealth will transfer is going to happen in the next 40 year, years to women. There's a huge impasse of wealth that's going to happen with women. And you recently wrote this book, and it, it talks some about that, correct? Yes, absolutely. And as I mentioned, you know, when um, Thinking Rich came out in 1937 after his lifelong work, um, there were no women in business back then. Right. We were teachers or nurses. So um, the book is, he interviewed a lot of wealthy men. Well, I still today believe the steps to success are the same. Thinking Gorich is as valid today as it was back then. But I wanted to honor him and also uh, let women understand that even though it was through his eyesight and men, that it was as powerful for us as well. And so the Thinking Grow Rich for Women was an incredible project that I loved in the fact that each chapter, the same chapter outline as the original book, and I synthesized Napoleon Hill's original concept, so enthusiasm, you know, um, understanding the power of auto-suggestion, what are we feeding our mind? And then I talk about how I use each of those principles in my own journey. And then I interview various successful women from history, today, whatever, that use that level of success to generate success in their lives. And I have a series of quotes from a lot of different women. I have over 300 women outlined in the book. And then at the end of each chapter, it's really to the most important woman, that's the one holding the book. I ask questions. How have you already used this? How can you use this to further your success? And it was an incredibly fun, wonderful project because women can read the stories and they may not relate to one story, but the next one can feel like, they're talking to themselves, and that's an important thing. Love it. And then, and I want to ask you about the one more kind of series of books, and, and I promise we can move on to some other stuff. I, as, as a as a book nerd, and, and one of my, my my readers know that I I read books quite a bit and talk about them. You, you've done a lot with the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, and those fourteen other books that went along in that series, and th- those two have a unique kind of message and concept. And you, you want to share a little bit about those and the message around those. Well, absolutely. We released it. This is 2017 is the 20th anniversary of the release of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, you know, I own that company with Robert Kiyosaki. We wrote 15 books together and I was CEO for the first 10 years. And the whole concept behind Rich Dad, Poor Dad and that whole series is for people to take 
take control of their own personal financial lives and understand the importance of assets. You know, we, we get so tied up in our jobs and our salaries that we, we remain our only asset. And so we want people to understand the power of building assets that work for you. And that was the generation of the entire company. And so it was a huge honor for me to, to be an integral part of building the largest personal finance brand. But then when I left in 2007, it was a huge honor when not only did President Bush ask me to be on the first President's Advisory Council for Financial Literacy, but then I got the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation. So after building the largest personal finance brand, I was asked to step into the largest personal development brand. So I have been truly blessed and honored to really help reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill. I, I love it, and, and, and Napoleon is one of my favorites. And, and, Sharon, I took a little bit of time there, and I appreciate you going there with me because I thought it was important to some of those. Some, some of our listeners are, are going to know of your name, know of you, and have heard some of those titles we've heard. And, and now I want to I kind of take a left turn and talk a little more and, and talk a little more about what it takes to be successful, what it takes to create wealth. And so... The, the one question I love asking people is, as anyone who's been around money, what is the first time you made money and how did you do it? Well, I got a first, my first part-time job was when, as soon, when I became old enough at 14. Now, before then, I did all kinds of babysitting and other things. So I grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. So if I wanted something, I made the money to, to, get, to get it. But I started out as a waitress back in Orlando, Florida, and then became a night manager at the restaurant. And when I graduated from college, I think I had earned $22,000 that was in the bank to help me start my career, all from part-time jobs while I was still in school. Wow. And was was there anything, kind of a defining moment or anything about those jobs early on that kind of you feel set you on your way or was kind of a guiding measure for you? Well, certainly I think um, the power of service, when I talk today to entrepreneurs, I say the most important thing is for successful businesses that they solve a problem or serve a need. And so even as a waitress, as long as I was being um, helping people, solve, you know, giving them the right level of service, I was going to be rewarded financially. And so it's that working with enthusiasm. We talk about that in Think and Grow Rich, you know, again, going the extra mile. So if you if you have a job, that's great. We're not saying don't have a job, but understand that that your power there is to make your boss look good, make that company succeed. And the more you, energy and, and effort you can put into it, the quicker you can raise up the ladder. But if you have the idea of starting your own company, keep your focus on the problem you can solve or the need that you can serve, and that's going to help you grow a successful and sustainable business. I think that's, that's, that is great advice. And, and I think one thing I, I, I'd like to ask you about is, is about success. And, you know, we've got to, for the last few minutes, talk about your success and hear about it. And, you know, I, th- I think one of your successes is attributable to why people are listening to podcasts today. And, and back in 1989, you had joined forces with the inventor of the first electronic talking book, which someone could definitely say that talking books are an early form of podcasting. And so, I I, I thank you for that success, but in in all your successes, my question for you is, as you sit today on the other side of that that journey, what does success look like for you today? How do you define that? Well, success is not necessarily how much cash you have in the bank, but it's how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror. 
um, in our book, Three Feet from Gold, which was my first book with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, um, we shared something called the Personal Success Equation, which I will share because I think it really applies to everyone in every situation. And it's, it's really, there's no numbers in it, but it is kind of a math equation. It's called P plus T, which is passion plus talent. So we've heard the comment, do what you love, love what you do. Well, for me, passion is anger because I'm mad that we're not teaching our kids about money in school. But you have to combine your passion with the talent. I had a background in accounting. I had my education as an accountant, but I also got into publishing. So I was able to marry those two things and use my knowledge to start writing and generating books. But... Most of us stop there because that's what school teaches us to. And in order to truly be successful in life, it's a, there's a times A. The first times A is power of association. Who do you hang around with? Who supports you? That power of association can either speed your way to success or hold you back. And the next times A is action. What actions are you taking each and every day to propel you to the finish line, to help you get to that life of not just success, but that life of significance? And we thought that was the formula, P plus T times A times A. And we almost went to press that way. But I said, you know, there was still something else that I think really defines truly successful people. And it's a plus F. And that F stands for faith. Not only did they have faith in who they are, They had faith in what they were doing. They had faith that it was needed and necessary. And that faith is what got them through the tough times. So I ask each one of the listeners, think about your own journey, your own life, your passion, your talent, your right associations, your wrong associations, what actions do you need to be taken, and the faith in yourself. And so many times we find that we have an association, we need more associations to help us become successful, and sometimes that faith has transformed into fear, and we need to look at that and get back into the position of being strong and knowing that what you're doing is needed and necessary. Sharon, I I love it. That is not only beautiful to hear from you, but but it's so inspiring and, and, and exactly in line with so many things that we talk about when we talk to entrepreneurs and emerging companies around creating success and, and doing those things necessary to be successful. I, I get asked all the time, you know, what it takes to be successful because everyone's looking for that, that, that answer. And you just put it for them in a formula, which I, I, I appreciate. And I think to our listeners that the, there you go, there you have the answer. You can, she's given it to you. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Well, absolutely. So I, I, I would love to. I'd love to ask a little more about when it comes to being in business. Everyone likes to talk about the successes and the wins, and we started out the show talking about the many amazing accolades. And there, there's too many to probably list in the short time I have with you this time. And I want to ask you: it, it's easy to sit here and talk about all the successes. What about some of the challenging moments? Was there was there a defining moment for you, or one moment in your life that was you could say that was the most challenging? And, and if so, what did you get out of it that, that allowed you to make that, 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 that change or that growth? Well, I've been around a long time, so I've had a lot of turning points and a lot of defining moments and a lot of uh, um, opportunities for learning. And so I think, you know, Napoleon Hill said it best, out of every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. And so, you know, the, the journey to success has stepstones, and those stepstones many times 
are things that write your course, and you might consider them failures, but they are learning opportunities, and that's the whole issue of learning from your mistakes. So, I mean, I've had several. I When I made the decision to leave public accounting, I made it was the right decision to make, but I made the wrong decision with the company. The company was um, not the right company. I discovered that very quickly, but... It, had I not made the decision to go there, I wouldn't have met my husband of 37 years. And so I had the immediate feedback of the seed of, the, the of a greater benefit. But sometimes it takes a long time for us to figure out what the benefit is when we go through a failure or a setback. Obviously, I had an incredible success with Rich Dad over 10 years. And, and when I made the decision to leave in 2007, it was really shocking. You know, why would I leave? Well, it was the right thing for me. We were no longer aligned in our personal mission. So I made the decision to leave. And sometimes you have to close one door for other doors of opportunity to open. And I challenge your listeners, maybe that's what they need to do. There's something in your life, a door you need to close. So other doors will opportunity. So I had, if I had not made that decision, I would never have gotten the call from the President of the United States. Had I not made that decision, had I still been a rich dad, I would not have gotten the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation asking me to do the work that I'm doing with them now. And so each and every one of us, we have setbacks, but sometimes those setbacks are just time for us to refocus, replan, and reach a new height of success. Great. And is there, on the, on, the, on the reverse side of that question, is there any one moment that stands out? I mean, you, you, there's been so many of them, but is there one that, that really stands out as, a, as a, a defining success moment for you in your illustrious career? Um, each and every day when I get feedback, like just how you started this interview, that something that I was involved in made an impact in your life that allowed you to make choices to take you to a better place. You know, that you just every single day I'm so honored to hear from people on things that, you know, that they have made positive choices as a result of something that I've written. Well, and you know, I, I did share that with you. And I mean, as someone who has given thousands of keynotes, has over 30 million books sold, and has reached to over 100 countries around the world, just a global impact, it is, it is, it is a blessing and an honor to be able to speak with you and share with that. And I, and I am so enthusiastic for the people who are able to hear this message and really learn. I know the impact that you and your efforts and, and the and the books you and the content you've been, in created, been involved in creating, how it's impacted my lives and some of the people I've shared it with. So I, it is something, and, and just know that you are making a huge impact, and I thank you for that. Well, thank you, my dear. I appreciate that, and appreciate what you're doing to share this kind of education to the people that are listening. Well, thank you. And before we wrap up, I know that I know that a lot to do with Females and leadership, and and the, even the book you wrote about the Think and Grow Rich with Women has has a lot. I want to talk a little bit about that because I, I, it's so staggering to me. Some of the statistics I, I read a recent recent statistic that talked about that Fortune 500 companies with the highest percentage of women directors attained returns on equity that exceeded those with the least by 53%. And I know every listener isn't a Fortune 500 company or work for a Fortune 500 company, but when you think about that statistic, and I'm sure it. it it transcends past corporate America. What is the difference, or why do you think that is that there's such a huge discrepancy for that? 
Well, I think if you think about it, it's not. You know, I am not a feminist. I love working with men, mm-hmm. and it is. It has been proven many, many times through research that we actually chemically think differently. You know, as a general proposition, men are much more strategic thinking. They're much quicker to make a decision. Women tend to be better problem solvers, and we tend to use both sides of our brain. But sometimes we can get into analysis paralysis. And so, when you have both sets, you have men and women at the table. You have the greatest opportunity for success. And it has proven over and over again by recent studies, obviously the one that you're referring to. So you have the ability to bring in, Warren Buffett said it, you know, he said it several years ago. Now just think where we could be economically if we had the other 50% of our brain trust at the table, meaning women. And so it really is when we can have the brilliance of men and the brilliance of women working together is when we get the greatest results. I, I couldn't agree more, and, and I, I guess my question would be for other people who are listening and say, I agree with you, and that resonates with me. What can be done? What, what, what are things that, that people can do more of or start doing in general to see that that happens? Well, I think if you're a woman who's interested in potentially being on a board or working in court, you know, start laying those foundations, getting involved in nonprofits, getting some board experience. Again, as women continue to rise in the C-suite, you're going to see more and more women leaders and more and more women on boards. Obviously, we see the news reports that it's not happening fast enough, but it is happening, and we need to applaud the progress. You know, we talk about the power of the law of attraction. One mm-hmm. of the reasons I wrote Think and Grow Rich for Women is I was getting tired of all the criticism. I said, you know, as women, we need to be celebrating the progress that we're making. Is it, is it, are we making enough progress? No. Are we making it quickly enough? No. But let's celebrate the progress we're making and let's celebrate the men who are helping us along the way. And if we start mm-hmm. focusing on the celebration and the positive outcome, I think we will see more movement more quickly. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. And if there's, if people want to get behind a cause or is there any other events or anything they could go to if they wanted to be more involved or learn more about that? Well, absolutely. Please join me on SharonLechter.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-L-E-C-H-T-E-R.com. I have a series of podcasts that are archived that people can get additional information for free. They're welcome to go to SharonLechter.com forward slash free gift and get a uh, the the money of Bible called you and your money as a free gift for me. So anything that we can do to support people on their journey to financial freedom, I'm here. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And and uh, I, I know our time's running out, unfortunately, because I, I could keep going. I do want to ask one last question before we we do wrap up. Is if you could go back to your younger self at whatever age that may be for you that you, you'd like to choose, is there a piece of advice or wisdom you would give that person? Now that you've been through this journey and you have all the knowledge and wisdom you have today you're talking, is there one piece that just sticks out, that one tidbit that if I had known this, I may have done things a little differently? Well, I get asked that question a lot, and my answer is really kind of a return question, is I wouldn't be who I am today had I not experienced everything that I experienced in my life. And so I think... I would. I had the blessing of having parents who told me I could be or do anything I wanted to be. I probably would have taken better care of myself physically because as women we tend to put ourselves last and take care of everybody else. So if there was anything, I would probably have been that to make sure I was as dedicated to my exercise routine as I was to my career. But 
we are who we are today because of the choices we've made before today. Instead of worrying and trying to be sad about choices you made in the past, just take the opportunity to make different choices today and in the future, and you will improve your path. That's awesome. Thank you. Sharon, I cannot thank you enough for your time and generosity in doing this interview with me. Thank you so very much. It is my pleasure, and thank you so much. Thank you for taking a look back with me at some of the relevant conversations we've had over the past couple years across the entrepreneurial ecosystem and the investable world. As always, check out the Be Investable podcast latest episodes here on iTunes. And also, look for some of my blog posts on the Michigan Business Network. 